Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, perched high atop the banks of the majestic Blackstone River. Greetings from the jewel of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Hey, Mike. Hello there. Hey, what do you think of that intro music, by the way? I, I enjoy the intro music a lot. You know, that's a uh, that's a song that I created many years ago. You made that? I did make that with a, uh, uh, a former Marine friend of mine. Cool. Uh, we got together because he's a musical friend as well. Even, yeah? And uh, his, his younger brother played the drums. We came up with the music, and uh, we came up with the name also. It's called uh, Jabberwocky. Jabberwocky. And there's actually words that go with it, but I just, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I trimmed some of the intro off. Isn't Jabberwocky an actual, like a, a poem of it's yeah some kind? Yeah, and uh, that was uh, courtesy of a of another individual who said that we should call it, so that's what we did. So for the show... And it this, met with commercial success. Uh, not not really, oh. but it, it's a good song, I think, because, you know, it's of course bad. I helped write the song. You know, actually, I did hear some feedback about the song. Really? Yeah, one of the listeners said it, it sounded very mysterious. Well, you know what I did with the song when I knew that we are going to be doing the show is I actually took the song mm-hmm. and I... It's called Jabberwocky 2.0 now because mm-hmm. I added some other, like three or four other guitar parts to kind of add mm-hmm. that little other mm-hmm. bit to it. So mm-hmm. that's that's where that came from. Wow. Well, that's very. Thank you for that extra special little glimpse into your musical background. Well, I want to tell you, I'm pretty <clears throat> musical. You know, I'm very upset with you right now. As a matter of fact, I'm I'm feeling very jealous. What's the matter? Well, I'm looking over there. You have a microphone. And, I do, uh, and I have a microphone. We have separate microphones. We're not talking into the same microphone, but your microphone is like a deluxe retro 1950s uh, DJ model. That's the look I'm going for. And yeah. mine is like yep. this. I don't know what mine is. Mine's just regular plain Jane. Can I be honest with you, though? Sure. I think, in all honesty, I've I've recorded with both of these mics. Yours mm-hmm. sounds better than mine. Well, yours you have that you have like the the Rush Limbaugh of microphones over there. Oh well, thanks. It's, I appreciate that. Yeah, it looks deluxe. And you know what? You've contributed nothing to the audio to the to the audio section of the show. That's true. Aside from your except voice, for my voice. Well, we did have a we did have a musical number last week. We did, and uh, of course that episode hasn't been hasn't released been yet, released, but it will be released uh, momentarily. And the authorities will be coming for me. Probably you uh, copyright infringement. I think. Yep. Oh, anyway, good. Well. Well, we had an interesting week of things. Yeah, what did we talk about last week before we talk about this week? Last remember? week, uh, yes. As a matter of fact, last week we talked was a musical mystery show. It was. That's right. Rock and roll uh, mysteries and such. And as a, as a yeah, we talked about a couple of conspiracies, a couple of uh, weird history things related to music. And coincidentally, after our show, I I, I caught a documentary on Netflix, which I love. Mm. Uh, about rock and roll history, but it was it was a BBC produced documentary, so everything was was related to uh, to Great Britain and, and bands and whatnot. And it was some stories that I hadn't heard of involving Rolling Stones, mm. uh, a couple of things involving the Sex Pistols. Interesting. You know, we talked a little bit about. Uh, I want to go back to the British thing here in a second, but mm-hmm. just before I forget, um, so we talked about the Twenty Seven Club, obviously, yep. and one that I didn't mention that was actually uh, pretty recent was the Amy Winehouse. Oh yeah, she passed away a few years ago. She was also twenty-seven years old. You know, she, she changed her name to Winehouse. Ah, yeah. yes, I know what. Yeah, that's right. She did. Anyway, anyway, uh, but you know, <laughs> talking about the 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 British aspect of it, I find maybe this is a past life. Who knows? Maybe this goes back to the past life thing. I find uh, I get uh, I'm I I have an overwhelming sense of confidence. Mm-hmm. When I'm watching something, so, uh, you know, I play a little guitar, so mm-hmm. a lot of times I go on YouTube and I try to find a guitar tutorial. Mm-hmm. And when I find a guitar tutorial, I listen to it, and when it, as soon as I hear that it's an English person that's teaching me the guitar, yeah. I suddenly feel fulfilled. Well, I suddenly feel like I feel more confident in the fact that he's going to teach me something that's correct. Well, that's just not you. That any Anytime someone has a British accent, they, they sound more believable more trustworthy. Really? That they know what they're talking about. Well, not just, you know, not the uh, the uneducated Cockney accent. The what? You know, uh, the, the, the Cockney accent. I'm not sure what that of, means. Of, you know, like this, governor. Oh. So, the uneducated, like that. Ah, uh, I see. Not that so much. You want to talk more like you know what you're talking about. Like that? That, was, that, that more- was like a mix of Canada... <laughs> and... <laughs> that sounded more like uh, yeah. Paul McCartney. I don't know. No, but I had, I have, I've had... Uh, We'll talk about my acting experience in another in another another episode. But I had the privilege of working with with some uh, some British actors of well of uh, Americans of British descent, mm. and uh, they just automatically sound way better. They Everything do. they do, they sound uh, you know it just it it just projects better and it sounds more uh, yeah. intelligent, authoritative. You, it doesn't matter what you're talking about. Any, you could yeah. talk about suppositories and it would sound interesting, which we did. All right, but you know, last uh, yeah. Anyway, so that explains what we did last week. Sure. 
So this week we got a couple of different, couple of different things. But before we get into the topics today, I wanted to discuss something with you mm. that I just learned on my way over here. On your way over here? Yeah, I, I, I hurriedly jotted down some notes while you were driving. That's dangerous. I, w- I waited for a red light. So oh, okay, I want you to search back in your memory banks for mm. this. May sixteenth, which is today. Right? Yep. May sixteenth, year of our Lord, nineteen hundred and eighty-six. Thirty-one years ago today. Yes. Something happened. That would mm. change the course of humanity forever. May 16th, 1986. Yep. Was this a local story or a national nope, story? national. World. Nay, world. Mm, world story. World story. May 16th, 1986. I won't keep you in suspense. Okay. The seminal classic Top Gun was released Ooh. into theaters. So making, making it okay forever yeah. for heterosexual males to play volleyball with no shirts on. True. And to sing, I ain't got that love and feeling, or whatever that song, the Unchained Melody. What was that? What was no, the song? no, 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 no. What, what am I thinking? You, what was the big uh, n- musical number? You then? lost that love and feeling by the Righteous Brothers. Correct. You, that, that's not Unchained Melody. No, Unchained Melody was the that, Righteous Brothers as yeah, well. Yeah, that was though. from Ghost. Ah, uh, okay. Go, right. I'm confusing my uh, my ballads. Anyway, well, Top Gun. I, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like Top Gun had a huge influence on my childhood. It was because n- most people don't realize this, but Mike is an F-14 fighter pilot. I was not an F-14 oh, fighter no, he pilot. Wasn't. However, I throw, I've thrown up on just about every aircraft that the uh, United <laughs> States arsenal has. I see. Uh, except for a jet. I have not been on a jet fighter. No? No. But I, I believe I would throw up if I was on one. You know, that was a uh, definitely a, a classic movie of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was in the midst of the Cold War, so the, the, you know, the whole the Russian The Soviets theme. were the bad guys. The, the Soviets, absolutely, yeah. Anyway, no, I just good. thought it was a cool movie. They had cool nicknames. I always wanted to be... You know what? If we were in that movie, who would, mm. be, who would be Maverick and who would be Goose? I think I would be Maverick. I think you'd be... No, you would be... Uh, I need a new, new name for you. Hmm. Meatloaf. No, there already is a Meatloaf. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But anyway. Anyway, that was a good one. So, good. yeah. That, I just wanted to bring up that piece of, of mu- movie lore. All right. So, this week, we have a couple. We have. Uh, oh, so We're I, heading over to the to the other side of the world. Actually, let me back up just a second. So, um, we have had some listener feedback, uh, mm. some of it positive, uh, most of it positive, actually, um, and some constructive criticism, I will say. Um, and we, from one particular listener who said that uh, we should maybe concentrate more since we only do an hour i guess we could do more but we, we don't can wanna, do however whatever we want we don't want to lose people's interest but he said too late uh that I we should probably concentrate <laughs> concentrate on one topic for the, for the specific hour and yeah we could do that we could do that but i, I you know i kind of like to break it up and change it up because we can always revisit these topics later and get more in depth if we needed to or maybe we focused on topics that were related somewhat even though they may be different at least they have a similar thread sure. to them sure you know um yeah, I had a couple of, of, of listener feedbacks as well, and they asking for specific shows, and we're going to try to get to just about everybody's request when, whenever we can. I, I know we had a couple of people asking about alien shows, and I know that we're going to do an alien show or two here and there. We actually have a uh, a guest that has already con- or, or an individual who's already contacted us and wants to be a guest, a live guest on the show. He's not an alien, is he? Uh, he I don't want an alien. He very well could be. Live He's on into the show. some strange things, but uh, he wants to uh, talk a little bit about the alien aspect and... Um, has a different approach or a different perspective on the whole thing. So mm. we'll probably have him in here shortly and talking about that. He's going to be here live, huh? Well, he live be. on the on the podcast. Which exactly, is, which yes. Is different. Yep. Okay, so we're going to we're going to move to the other side of the world for this episode. We we have stories taking place in Russia Ooh. and Germany respectively. Right? That's correct. Yes. All right, so I'm going to go first, I think. All right, go for it. What so do you got? I want to set the scene for you guys. Okay? January 1959, mm. which you, what were you doing in January 1959? Oh, I was yet to be conceived, my friend. Huh. Northern Russia near Siberia. That's cold up there. It's far. Well, first of all, it's January, and it's in Russia near Siberia. Who'd want to be in Siberia in January? These guys. Or June, the, for that matter. The people we're going to talk about. All right. So a group of nine hikers, seven men and two women, embarked on a skiing slash hiking journey into the Ural Mountains. Mm. This was an experienced group of wildernessers, which is not a word. Wildernessers? Yeah, wilderness. Wilder- wilderness. How about wilderness enthusiasts? There you go. There's a lot of those these days. Yeah, I'm not a wilderness enthusiast. Mr. Brown Shoes is. Mr. Brown Shoes, I did not have any interactions with Mr. Brown Shoes this week. Although, there was a Mr. Blue Shoes, who I did find in the bathroom several times this week, and I'm going to have a word with his supervisor and or HR. Uh-oh. Anyway, right. so getting back to the group of nine hikers, seven men, and two women. What lucky women. You know, seven the, men, the men always two, outnumber the women, it seems. Seven men, two women, embarking on an adventure out into the wilderness. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a good show. 
Yeah, I've seen movies that started that way. Anyway, so this was an experienced group of people led by a guy by the name of Igor Dyatlov. Mm. Igor. That's a that's a pretty quick sure it's not pronounced Igor. It may be pronounced Igor. You must be Igor. Mm. So now it's pronounced. This this incident Igor. that I'm going to describe was later, was later to be known as the Dyatlov Pass or Dyatlov Pass. Dyatlov. That's named after this guy Igor Dyatlov who mm-hmm. was the leader of this expedition. Okay. So this guy Igor had many such trips under his belt and from all accounts he was he was not a you know he was not a newbie. He was a uh, an experienced guide and all the people that he was taking with were all college age people but were experienced hikers and skiers and adventurers in their own right. So they all knew kind of what they were doing. Sure. They were, all, they were all experienced fit, fit people. Mm-hmm. I, I've run across in the research fit many times, so apparently they're all fit, Oh, which I don't know what that means. But anyway, they're out for a wilderness adventure, and they found adventure all right. Maybe not the right way. Oh. So they were, did they... So they were obviously they were uh, geared up. They were ready for this. That's a great. That's a great point. Yes, they had they had all the accoutrement, mm. which is the second time in a row on this show. You used that, I've that used word that already, word, which yeah. I love the word. So yeah, they geared up. They went on a. Uh, uh, they 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 met at a village. Uh, excuse me. You know how like when you go on a long trip, sometimes you have like a final, like a resting place. Ge- you ge- make sure your gear's all set. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You get all the right provisions and stuff like that. So they uh, they made it to a village, much like the uh, when you go to climb Mount Everest, you go to the little yeah, Sherpa village. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. What is a Sherpa? Is that a person? No, it's like the native uh, persons of the mount. Uh, it sounds like an animal. No, it's a Sherpa. Yeah, look at that herd of Sherpas over and they, there. They guide you up the mountain. If Ooh. it wasn't for the Sherpas, you'd be in trouble. You know, I'm not going there. All right. Anyway, so actually, there were ten hikers until they made it to this village. One of the hikers had to turn back, which is why we know a lot about what happened up to this point because. One of the hikers hurt his back and had to turn back and wasn't able to make the trip. Mm-hmm. So they made it to this village. They geared up. And uh, soon after, they they started on their way to the des- their destination. They disappeared completely. Like from, what do you mean disappeared? Well, like... they, they were overdue. Ah, so let's say. So this so is the day. To be- check in at some point. Yes. Yeah, so they were supposed to be going on a, a several day journey uh, to this to this mountainous region. They were going to hike around. They were going to come back. They didn't come back. Mm-hmm. And But due to the weather... Uh, a search party couldn't be sent out until weeks later, as you know. Well, first of all, they had to be long enough overdue that someone would notice that they were missing. Right. And then they had to wait for the weather to clear and so on and so forth. Because obviously rescue efforts are, like back then, are not what they are today, of right. course. Well, they did have helicopters and stuff. I guess it was 1959, but they, they weren't in, in wide use, as you know, um, outside of the military. So months later, searchers went out and, and actually found nine of the hikers, all nine of them, dead. Oh, but it was the manner in which they were found that makes this story really weird and really creepy. Mm-hmm. So it's become known as the Dyatlov Pass incident. Yes. So basically, the, here's a scene when the, when the searchers found the campsite. So the tent that the group had been using was found still standing and buttoned up. But the sides of the tent were shredded as Ooh. if by some sort of... Like an animal of some kind. Well, that's what they thought initially. So investigators said that the, the sides of the tent had been slashed with knives, oh. but from the inside. Oh, so they like they were trying to get out. Correct. None of the bodies were found in the tent, and left behind in the tent were warm clothes, boots, and other items that would have been ne- necessary to survive in the sub-zero temperatures. They said in that time of year it was about between twenty and twenty-five degrees below zero out there. So let, let's let's take a step back for a second. Sure. So they were they were all found outside. Yes. Perished. Yes. Uh, cuts from the inside. Yes. And all their cold weather gear was on the inside. That's of the correct. Tent. So right. the investigators determined. That something frightened the people so badly that they slashed through their only means of shelter and left all of their equipment behind to escape into the snow. Mm. Um, they actually, we'll get to the individual conditions of them in a minute, but uh, they were all found with no shoes. So if you're in the in the wilderness, in the snow, mm. in Siberia, in January, you think you would probably want your shoes. I think the first thing I'd grab would be my shoes. You would think so. Because so I don't did... like putting my bare feet in the, uh, in the cold No, we talked snow. about feet before. We did. We said toe, and I don't like to say the word. No, but you said it again. Toe. It's important to note that investigators didn't find any outside tracks that were not believed to be made by the hikers. So no animal tracks, no people tracks that were not directly related to the to the mm-hmm. hikers. I call them hikers, but they're kind of skiing. Adventurers. Was, yeah, adventurers. That's a good one. So they find the campsite. They find the disturbing uh, evidence that, that they slashed their way out of it. Mm. So they start concentrically circling, looking for the people. That's oh, how you like would do it. Like the typical search pattern. Sure. So down the slope from the campsite, several hundred yards away, two of the people were found dead in the snow next to the remains of a campfire. 
their hands and feet showing signs that they had been burned, like they were shoving them into the fire for warmth. Hmm. Scary. That's You know you're really cold when you want to burn your hands like that. Right. They had no shoes and no warm clothes on, and it was determined that they died of hypothermia. Okay, so kind of creepy so far, right? But not really. It's yeah, a, I mean, it's you know, you're in the wilderness. Be, could be anything. Could be anything. So separate from this group, several hundred yards away from that, three more were found dead of hypothermia in the same type of condition. No, no warm clothes, no shoes. Um, but these three appeared to be making their way back to the camp when they died. So they, they found um, two, four. They found four of them. No, they found five of them. But the remaining four were nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. So now there's some, believe it or not, there's some precedent for, there's some reason for the shedding of the clothes. Have you ever heard of a phenomenon known as paradoxical undressing? Uh, yeah, actually, it happens to me quite frequently when I've had too much scotch. Yes. And then I wander around the neighborhood and frequently I am arrested. Unrelated. So what happens in about 25% of hypothermia cases, the hypothalamus malfunctions and body temperature seems to be rising when it's actually dropping, hence people take their clothes off. Ah. So something glandular happens. I could see that. And so they take their clothes off because they think that they're overheating and they're they actually... Feel like they, they feel like they're getting hot. Correct. So they need to, they need to disrobe. Right. Mm. So they take their clothes off and it hastens death, obviously. You don't, you don't have any clothes on anymore. Sure. So that aside, that's the least creepy part of this story because they were still missing four hikers. Mm-hmm. Months later, not until May... When the snow melted, the remaining four bodies were found. These bodies were not anywhere near the other. The others had been uh, the others had been found, and these all had signs of horrific injuries, although there were no external wounds on the bodies. No external wounds. No. So it appeared to the investigators like it was a. They likened it to a car crash, where there was a uh, a serious concussive force, where internally you'd be all banged up and smashed up and mushed up. Exactly. But there's no external force. Sure. Or excuse me, no external wounds, like cuts or anything. So, uh, yeah, obvious, nothing obvious to the eye. Right. So one of the skiers, or hikers, or adventurers, Ludmilla, one of the only females, oh. she was age 20. And actually, I did see a picture. She was fetching. Was she Was she good looking? Well, according to Soviet standards in 1959, she was probably a supermodel. You know, the I'll tell you, the Russians, I don't know if you've ever gone to one of these, uh, and I've done it just for research and curiosity's sake. S- simply for that. Yeah, so they have these, uh, you know, they... It used to be the joke where they call them mail order brides. Yeah, those are real. But now it's like, you know, it's internet stuff. So they have these websites and these Russian ladies, sure how, enough. How would you know? They're on there and they, they want to come to the U.S. Who wouldn't? I want to come to the U.S. and I'm already here. And they're all, you know, they're relatively Anyway, attractive. so Lud- Ludmilla was Lud- 20 years old. Ludmilla, yes. Lud- Ludmilla. She was found missing her tongue. Oh. So several of the bodies actually were also appeared to be orange. And some of the clothing was said to be radioactive. Mm. So... What do we have here? We have a couple of different things. So on the one hand, you have what could probably be described as natural um, deaths due to hypothermia, right? I guess your initial thought would be, yeah, you know, they went out, they, they kind of bit off a little more than they could chew. Well, here's, here's the thing. Yeah. So before we get into possible theories, so we're able to actually piece together the activities of the group uh, because they kept a log of, of their journey, mm. like a diary, not, not, not that kind of log. And... Um, they also had cameras, and they were taking pictures the whole way. Really? Yeah. So we were can. They, I'm sorry. Were they yeah. able to recover the film? Yes, we were oh. able to recover the film. So we're able to piece together by, almost by day by day their trip, and from the accounts in the pictures, basically you can see that the journey was going as expected. Everybody seemed to be, you know, having a good time, and the photos and diary entries all led up to one afternoon, and that's the the last photo taken shows a group setting up their tent for what's believed to be their last night. So investigators think that whatever happened to this group happened in one night. And at night. So the, the photos that supposedly are out there, those have been authenticated. To the, be yeah, a... I've looked at all the pictures, and they okay. look like, I don't know, snowy Soviet pictures. But very creepily, mm-hmm. in the background of one of the last photos taken, you can actually see the shadowy outline of a large figure lurking in the tree line watching the group. Mm. And when you look at it, it looks like a, a guy, like a big guy. That wasn't Igor. Well, the thing of it is, in the picture, you can see the group setting up a tent, and you yep. can count... I think you can count eight of them in the picture, and or excuse me, seven of them in the picture. Pardon me, which would which would count for one person taking the picture, mm. and could possibly be the last person. Yeah, because definitely there was no selfie stick involved. No. Okay. So, but the picture is really creepy. If you look at it, it could be like a yeti type figure. 
So give us the name of this again, and, and maybe you could spell it for us, the name of the, the, the adventure, so people can look it up if they're interested. Well, I'm, I'm not done, but it's the Diat Law of Pass, D-Y-A-T-L-O-V. All right, because you know when, I, when, we, when we're done here today, I'm going to look it up, and I'm going to check out these pictures. Well, what we're going to do is, and this is what I hope that the audience will take away from this. Absolutely. Is look this up, like you just said. Yeah. And look at some of these possibilities of what may have occurred and, and decide for themselves. Because honestly, after looking at this, I don't know what happened. No, you don't. There could have been any one of these things. Yeah, there's many theories. So not to get into too much detail, but these are some possibilities. Could have been an avalanche. A sudden snow landslide could have driven them out into the night snow, Mm -hmm. but then their tent would have been covered, which was not the case. Right. There were hostile natives. Some people think that hostile natives could have taken them over. There was a a group called the Mansai, which is a uh, indigenous people living in the area, but they were known to be peaceful and um, no evidence that they would attack somebody like that. And there weren't actually any tracks found. Another theory is that there was a fight. Uh, seven guys, two girls. Like amongst the, the group? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, had, they had some infighting that led to uh, a brawl, which drove them out into the oh, snow. That could be possible. They were, sure. They, were, you know, they had a little too much vodka, yep. and they were fighting over the ladies. Well, that goes into the next one, too, which is drugs. Actually, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, prior to doing this show. Who was on drugs? No, but he oh. mentioned that, well, quite possibly. But he also mentioned that uh, drugs may have been the thing, because 1959... Uh, hallucinogenic drugs were starting to become popular in mm. different aspects, uh, different uh, segments of the population. And maybe some of them had hallucinogenic drugs and they flipped out and started killing everybody or driving everybody out into the snow. Yeah. Another uh, possibility, Russian military testing. The area was largely uninhabited and it was the height of the Cold War. Is it, it's possible that the Russian military was testing new weapons, um, you know, and the kids got caught up in it. Hence the radiation and the concussive injuries, which there are some... some weapons that would do that so they get, they get caught in the, in the blast of some sort of uh, nuclear test that was occurring out in siberia right so all the things that i just mentioned are are plausible mm. then you get into the less plausible which are aliens obviously aliens is, is a possibility for everything but supposedly around the time of the incident strange glowing fireballs were seen in this in the ural mountains somewhat near the diet love pass could the skiers have encountered some hostile aliens who knows mm. and then uh lastly the Yeti, like I just mentioned. So Russian folklore does say that wild mountain creatures roam the area. Uh, was that what was seen in the last picture? Uh, you know, hiding in the woods and kind of chucking the group out. Did you know that Yeti is actually Himalayan for rocky place man bear that poop in woods and throw snowballs? No, I didn't know so that. So it's quite possible that, that an angry Yeti, uh, you know, went berserk because they were they were infringing on his territory right? and, and killed them all. Well, what's it, what didn't help the investigation was this is Russia. Mm. 1959, not a lot of information coming out of Russia, not a lot of cooperation on the count on the uh, the part of the Russian government. No, definitely not. So we, we don't really know what happened. And actually, it's funny that this this happened so so long ago. It's it's only been uncovered in the, in the last 10, 15 years where it's actually become known that this took place. I think I saw something recently. There might have even been a documentary on uh, on you know one of the local tele not local but you know a, yeah. a television channel. Um, exploring this a little bit, I might have caught a piece the, of it. So they, yeah, yeah. I, I heard there was actually a movie, like a Hollywood, not a Hollywood, like a B movie, that was based on this happening. But it was, it was from the perspective of a group that was going to investigate it, mm-hmm. and it was more like a found footage movie, you know, like a Blair Witch Project type movie. Oh yeah. So I haven't seen it, but that's the the outlaw of past mystery. No one's quite sure what happened. These poor, these poor Russian people in Ludmilla lost their tongue, and who knows what happened. You know, speaking of a. Uh, uh, we're just, you know, obviously we, unfortunately we do talk a lot about movies here, but because they, you know, it's, it's mainstream and everybody, pop culture. yeah, pop culture kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know if you're into zombies at all, but there was a great movie like into them. Uh, not, not in that sense, oh. not in the biblical sense, oh. but in the, you know, the, uh, entertainment, like for entertainment sense. reasons. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. Like, like the walking dead. Speaking of snowy, uh, Man death, bears. death scenes and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. There was a great movie that came out recently. And if you're into sub, if you, if you don't mind subtitles in a movie, Check out a movie called Dead Snow. Dead Snow. I believe it was either. It Is was there either, a live snow? It was either Swedish or Norwegian movie, and it was about. That means it's going to be good. Uh, so kind of what you were talking about is a group of adventurers that went out into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. They were having a, a nice weekend, enjoying themselves mm-hmm. in the snowy, snowy forest, and when suddenly they were overrun by uh, Nazi zombies. Nazi zombies. Yes, it was. A, it was oh. a. And the premise of the movie is it was a. Uh, a battalion or a company of 
Nazis that were forever lost in the wilderness, and they beca- somehow they became zombies. They Do really, they get into the story about really, how that happened? They don't really touch on that. Oh. You just see the zombies come out of the, the wilderness, and they're wearing like you know SS uniforms mm-hmm. and things of that mm-hmm. sort, and they start attacking the youths. So I wonder they couldn't come up with one villain; they had to mix them. Yeah. So you have the no- dead. You have zombies. Yes, you had z- Nazi Nazis. zombies, which ties into what we're going to talk about later. Well, but. don't give away the ending in case we don't no, want I to won't. See it. I won't. But there was uh, a lot of bloodshed, mm-hmm. some uh, red red snow, and uh, it was interesting. It was oh. good. It was entertaining, uh, to say the least. Well, speaking of uh, of Russian and yeah. German, so we have a new segment of the show, and again, we're going to try to bring some culture to the listening audience. Absolutely. And the way we're going to do that, we're going to we're going to try to learn. Some foreign languages. That's correct. So uh, Mike's story obviously originated in Russia. Yes. And my the story that's coming next, what we're going to talk about, originated in Germany. So with that, we thought we would add a little, <laughs> a little <laughs> bit of uh, flair to this. Uh, we would combine the two stories. So what just happened is, while, while you can't see this because this is a radio show, I just handed Jason a piece of paper. And on the piece of paper that I handed Jason is a phrase... In Russian, you write it awfully small. I need some spectacles to look at this. Jeez, well, look at this. Look at the print I gave you. Well, see, you have more. You have more than I did. So I had one phrase. Okay, you have one, and and you had a whole bunch of them. So maybe I'll just pick one. You can pick one. Okay. Sure. So yeah. what we're gonna do for the listening audience? We've never seen these these things before. We're gonna try to read it in the language mm. that it's been given to us, and then try to decipher what it is. Correct. So I just to recap, I have a Russian phrase in front of me. Yes. So um, why don't you why don't you why don't you go first? I'm not fluent in Russian, but I I do have a good Russian. I can do a good Russian accent. So I've yet to see this, and this is uh, I'm I'm just quickly looking it over because <laughs> I want to make sure that I get this right. It may take me a couple tries here. Okay, so, what so I, I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to tell you what it is. Well, I'm going to try to guess what it is first. What you what I'm trying to yes. say, and then you're going to have to tell me. Okay, got it. Vishnaya pamyat zemla pukyum. Oh, that, that, that was actually pretty good. Sound? That sounded pretty good. That sounded right, right let me there. think about this for a second. Yes. So Russian is a very difficult language to, of course. to uh, decipher. Mm-hmm. This right here says, hello, I need to use the restroom. Show me where the toilet is, please. Is that what it is? That what it is? Not even close. Oh, all right. What it actually is, is a, is a traditional Russian toast mm. that you would say during a, a celebration. Oh. And what it means is, let him be remembered forever. Let the ground in which he lays be like goose down. <laughs> but there's only four words on I this paper. I, that's what I did. I did a Google Translate. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't make any sense. No. All right. Well, you pick one of my German right, phrases. So this is German now. So, yep. so I'm going to attempt to read um, something. In your, in your best German accent. Come on. You can do this. Pick pick one. There's, there's five. Okay. Now. I've got one right now. Right. Okay. So this is in my best German. Yep. Welcher weg zum bordello. Ah. Is that close to German? <laughs> Not really, but you could probably figure that out by the by one of the words. I in would there. say that that is where is the uh, where is the hooker house? Is that correct? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty close. Yeah, bord- it's actually bordello. Which way to the brothel? Yeah, yeah. Look at that. You win then. So even though my accent is terrible, you win the big prize. I was able to I was able to de- decipher what that meant. That was a good job, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. So yeah, so we learned a little bit about culture and uh, German. And Russian languages, which, for me, all accents typically come down to something that I've heard on Saturday Night Live or mm. some sort of bad impersonation. I'm not real good with accents. You know, speaking of Russians, real quick, before we jump into the next topic. So, have you ever heard of anything called ASMR? Uh, ASMR, I, I know. I'm not quite sure who came up with the name, but it actually stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response. Uh-huh. So basically what it is is, and, and we probably all have all experienced this on some level, where you're listening to someone speak, a, a particular speaker, or you're hearing things, and it it relaxes you to the point where you're kind of like feeling like a certain tingle down your spine a little oh, bit. Oh, you know what? I would akin that to uh, sometimes when I hear people speaking, yes. it makes me want to go to the bathroom. It, it <laughs> oh, okay. relaxes you to the point where exactly. you, you feel like, wow. Yeah, but it, like, it just leaves you with like a sense of like, just, like you know, relaxation, yes, yes, euphoria it, almost. Yes, yes. So if you, go on, if you go online, if you go on YouTube and you type in ASMR, mm-hmm. uh, you'll come up with a whole laundry list of different videos out there. It's this huge thing that people listen to 
Um, and I, I've partaken in it in the past where it helps you. You put the headphones on it. And mm-hmm. it, it works best with headphones okay. because they do a thing. It's called – it's basically binaural, which may, basically mm-hmm. means like this – there's two microphones going, mm-hmm. and it almost sounds like at one point they're talking in one ear, and then they're talking in the so next. So what are they? Ear. What are they saying? They can say anything. They it's, oh, it's so almost it's like role what, playing. So it's not what they're saying. It's the manner in which they they're do saying like it. barber, like if you're in a barber chair, really? or they do massages. That's, um, that's bizarre. They do like you're, you're at the doctor and you're getting like an exam. So it's just like normal conversations that you would have. Correct. But the, but they're happening to you. It happens to you, and it's happening right in your ear. Hmm. And they breathe deeply into your ear. So it almost seems like they're there with you. That's very strange. And I don't um, think that I would like that. But the it. reason I brought it up is because there's a lady named Maria. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing when you say Maria? Because. Do you know Maria? I don't know if my wife even knows this is going on oh, right well, now. But no. Not. Well, she doesn't listen to the show anyway. No, probably not. But anyway, uh, so Maria is a, I believe that she, she's uh, Russian in origin. Okay. Because she does a great, uh, a great bunch of videos and she has a bit of a <laughs> Russian accent. Okay. And she's particularly good. Um, and I've listened to her do many things. She's given me a massage. Mm-hmm. She's given me a haircut. Now, you don't have to answer this question. Sure. But is this is this like a... It's not sexual in any self, way. Uh, no. Gratification. No, it's not gratifying. No. It's, re- it's just a relaxation thing that you do. But it, she just happens... She's, is she an attractive woman? I guess. So if she was ugly... It, it doesn't matter because be I close my. Point. I don't watch the video. I just listen to the sound, so it doesn't oh, matter. Oh, so, but she there looks is like. a video going on while this is happening. There is. Okay, but the video for me, it, it doesn't matter. So, you know, like we talked about, I, mm-hmm. I uh, last week, I have a bit of a issue sleeping. So mm-hmm. anything that helps me relax. So Maria, who's uh, Russian, mm-hmm. she's uh, you know she's done a she's done a, a class on Russian teaching. That's mm-hmm. one of her videos. Russian does, teaching. Yeah, like like teaching the language of Russian. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's it's very interesting. It's it's quite relaxing. So I would give it a try if you have a problem sleeping at night. Okay, I'm gonna remember that because it's bizarre, and I probably will never do that. No, well, you're gonna look it up as soon as you leave here. You know it. No, no, I don't think I will. All right. So the next topic we're gonna jump into, and this is, and I must preface this by saying this is actually a listener request. Um, one of our listeners goes by the name uh, uh, Fifty One Pan Man. Fifty One Pan Man or Pan Man Fifty One. One of the what, two. What does that mean? Uh, I believe it refers to uh, a Harley Davidson motor, a oh, panhead. Okay. I think he's into motorcycles. Okay. So a fifty-one. I thought panhead. he was into like you know the, um, you know the the ancient practice of the flathead Indians where they would, oh they they would flatten the head right, of right. the youngsters right they would bound the head so it yes, was flat that's right so I thought he was into that as some sort of fetish oh uh, he might be who knows hmm. well ask him um, so he wanted to know a little bit about. Um, a, a German super weapon, supposedly. And we're going to talk a little bit about it in different... And honestly, there's you could go on for hours about this because it's quite interesting. And I have to... Uh, there's a bit of a disclaimer before we, before we get started. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about Nazis and Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And, and I will just say this uh, beforehand. Obviously, the Nazis are known for their many, many atrocities mm-hmm. of humankind over the period of time that they were in power and the millions of people that they killed and persecuted and things of that sort. So we're not diminishing that in any way. I'm not trying to make fun of that. Absolutely not. So it was obviously a, a, one of the largest tragedies the, the you know the humankind has ever seen in its in its existence. So we're not diminishing that in any way, but what we'd like to talk about is some of the uh, more secretive and interesting aspects of kind of some of the things that the Nazis were doing in terms of technology. Well, there was a lot of weird stuff that happened around, uh, especially towards the end of World War II, right? There, where, where there was a lot of yeah. uh, technology that, that was coming out of Nazi Germany that their scientists were working on. Absolutely. And we're going to talk a little bit about that as well. Um, but the the basis of this is to talk a little bit about specifically one, um, one individual technology that they were working on towards the end of the war. And always people wonder, like, how is it that the Germans were so much more? It seemed like they were much more advanced technologically than um, some of the other countries that were at the time. You know, obviously mid '30s to early '40s, mm-hmm. m- early to mid '40s, um, when World War II was going on. <clears throat> so, um, one of the one of the weapons um, that we're going to talk about, or the weapon that we're going to talk about tonight, is something called Die Glocke. Oh, and that's my German, Die Glocke. Die Glocke. Yes. So it's actually two words, D-I-E, as like die, as we would pronounce it, mm. and Glocke, not Glock like the gun, but with an E at the end of it. Oh. It actually translates to the bell. The bell. The bell, like, you know, like you ring a bell. Yes. Because the the device is said to have a uh, have had a bell shape to it. Okay. 
Um, and basically, and, and one theme that perpetuates um, all of the the German technology that they were coming out with, you know, um, you know, obviously they had rockets and, um, and one thing that we, we have to be able to appreciate about kind of some of the things that they accomplished was from when they, I believe they took power in what the early thirties, 1933 or so up until 1945. That's what, what span of, what is that? 10, 12 years, 12 years, the, the amazing things, the unbelievable technological things, infrastructure type things that they were able to accomplish over that short period of time. Um, and so they were very inter- very much interested in developing different weaponry, um, things that could help them win the war, not only win the war, but make them um, energy independent from other nations and to be able to basically take over the world at some point. So, hmm. um, and that's where the de glock uh, or however you want to pronounce it. How do we call it? The bell. Well, we could call it the bell. Sure. For, for simpli- let's, simplicity's sake. Let's, let's call it the bell. But one theme that runs through it is kind of like a three-part a three part theme that the Germans kind of, uh, uh, an idea that they subscribe to. So the first part when it comes to uh, developing any kind of technology would be the theory, right? The theory behind it. Like what what scientific theory are we going to look at that we could potentially, which takes you to number two, which would be the engineering. So Mm -hmm. everybody can have a theory, but it's not necessarily engineerable. Making it practical. Exactly. So that's pretty much what they try to do. So they have a theory. They see if they can make it practical and engineer it. And then there's also number three, which is the esoteric component, uh-huh. which, you know, obviously dealing with the occult and things of that sort. Well, we all know, and that's a subject we could fill many shows with, was the uh, the, the esoteric nature of the Nazi regime and exactly. some of the stuff that they were involved with. And, and it's pretty much the, the founding of, of that particular group is that was their basis right. uh, of existence and they, where they re- achieved all their ideas from. So the basic idea was... Okay, ancient beliefs. Can we take these ancient beliefs, ancient mystic beliefs, and transform them into reality, so to speak? Um, so that's where the bell, <clears throat> the bell comes in. So the Nazi bell, as we as we called it, and, and there were a lot of people that called it the the it's the basis for the Nazi flying saucer, but really that's not what it was. Okay. Um, it was basically a bell shaped object that things were happening on the inside of this particular was it like a like a like a craft of some kind that people would ride in or was exactly it... so that was that was one of the one of the the components of the bell um the the first and the main component like we talked about a minute ago was something to be able to generate energy to mm-hmm. become energy independent to become basically to generate free energy so the german people wouldn't have to rely on outside sources to be able like to oil f- or whatever exactly yes. exactly and the second would be uh, like an anti-gravity field propulsion. In other words, like a craft they could move around in, uh, in, in a, you know, obviously in certain ways and, and move efficiently without using conventional uh, propulsion methods. Hmm. Um, and the third one, obviously, would be, which they were most interested in at World War in World War II, was the weaponization of it. Sure. You know, they were looking for the biggest and better, baddest weapons that they could possibly uh, come in contact with. So... The thought was that if they actually were able to weaponize this particular technology, that it would make a hydrogen bomb look like a, you know, basically like a, you know, like a kid's firecracker or something of that of that kind. Hmm. So um, they in in their development, they took it to a certain point. But uh, obviously the war ended and they could only take it so far that we know of. Hmm. Um, But as as some of us may know, at the end of the war, a lot of the scientists, the German scientists, Made their way to America. Yes, they did. In something called Operation, Operation Paperclip, Paperclip yeah. which took a lot of uh, some somewhere upward of fifteen hundred scientists mm-hmm. and brought them to America to work on some of our weapons programs and uh, obviously the space program and things of that sort. Most notably, Werner von Braun, right. who uh, you know was credited with developing the V one and the V two rocket. Oh, yes, and he was also instrumental in the early space program. That's that's United exactly States. correct. He worked for NASA. That's that's right. So basically, they were working on some kind of an uh, esoteric uh, weapon slash uh, transportation device using uh, technology that we don't even have today, uh, basically. That we may not have. Uh. We may have. Who knows? Because that goes back, and I'm glad you brought that point up. So one of the uh, interesting individuals that was obviously uh, a member of the Nazi party and was instrumental in this whole thing. Was, was it really it- a party? It wasn't a it party. It didn't seem like people no, had much fun. Party. It wasn't much fun. No. Uh, 
Because when I have a party, it's not a Nazi party. It's not. No, definitely no. not. There's uh, there's plenty of drinking involved, and uh, well, there was probably a lot of drinking laughing, involved in the, in the and, Nazi uh, party. No, too. nothing, nothing bad though. It's all fun. It's all good. All fun. in good fun. But a gentleman by the name of Hans Kamler. Hans. Anyone named Hans is in trouble. And and Hans was an SS Obergruppenführer. Oh, one of those. Basically, like a four-star general. That sounds like a dessert that you would get. And mm-hmm. he was the he was basically the overseer of the Third Reich uh, secret weapons. Uh, you know, programs, uh-huh. so to speak. He wasn't a very nice man. No, well, you don't rise to the ranks of Hubenzibedratzenratzengropen without no, being some kind of a jerk. Definitely not. Hmm. Uh, and he, even he was even one of the ones that uh, was inter- instrumental in designing some of the concentration camps. Oh, that's not funny. Uh, Auschwitz, uh, to be exact. We don't even know what happened to that guy. We don't. Supposedly, he died several deaths. Oh. Nope. Uh, he, he, th- but you brought it talking about coming back to America. So one of the theories is that he took, he came to America, uh, came to the U.S. with this technology um, and, and obviously handed over to the U.S., but there's never been any documentation of that. Uh, there's thoughts that he shot himself in the head, that he that he died in a battle, that he came to Argentina. So there's really, uh, there's no definitive proof of how he how he perished. Well, let me ask you this, before, sure. and I don't know if you're going to cover this or not, but is, does it say anywhere in, in, in your notes or what we're going to talk about today where the Nazis were getting all this this fabulous technology? Because it seems like in a very, very short amount of time, um, there was an astronomical leap in technology. So was this technology come about by, by extraordinary means, like a paranormally? Or? I don't think it was anything paranormal. And as I stated earlier, they had they, – they were actually thinking more outside the box in terms of technology than than every than the mainstream at the time, the U.S. Mm-hmm. and everybody else. Like I said, they had this esoteric um, twist or approach to what they were looking at, right? Mm-hmm. So basically, and, and we let's 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 jump into the bell now and exactly kind okay. of like uh, mechanically how it supposedly operated, yes. and then maybe you can see how it all ties in. Um, so the bell basically was about. It was a bell-shaped object mm-hmm. that was a po- approximately 16 feet tall and 13 feet wide. Okay. Um, inside the bell, there was supposedly there were two counter-rotating drums. Uh, some say they were side by side. Some say they were one on top of each other. And this supposedly goes to the unified field theory. And I want to get too deep into science, yeah, science and I'm, math. I'm and all not that as smart stuff, as I appear. No. Everything supposedly in, in the counter-rotating uh, scene supposedly can generate energy and open open doors and portals and all kinds of crazy things like that. Is that like, like the, that. Uh, the, the Large Hadron Collider utilized that? It's funny of? that you mentioned that. Yes. yes. Mm. They believe that that's along the same principle as that. Right. Um, as Particle we kn- accelerator. Exactly. So as we know, uh, that actually started not too long after World War II, the original idea and plans behind it. Mm. Um, and it was cryogenically cooled. That as we know, when we're using superconductors, you have to keep them cooled of course. Very, very much. You have to keep them very, 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 very cool. They like to be cool. Exactly. Uh, so inside the two counter-rotating uh, drums, supposedly there was a, a secret serum that was Ooh. a secret liquid that was serum. In, in, inside these drums that helped facilitate the, the energy transfer, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, a serum called uh, IRR-525, serum R-525, uh, which is basically supposedly was like a— uh, I think Chanel makes that. It does, and it smells wonderful. You know, I wonder if Chanel 1 through 4 just smelled like dog crap. So they said Chanel 5, that's the one, that's, that's the it. big winner? That's the one we're going with. And they, and that's the one they went with, huh? Yep. Oh. I'd like to get a hold of the original Chanel, see what no, those were like. No, they smelled like smelled crap. Smelled like bologna yeah. and uh, rotten kale. Cheese. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the fluid in the center of the drums, like I said, was a, supposedly it was a red mu- mercury or something of that kind. You were going to say mucus. No, no mucus. Yes, you were going to say that. I've had red mucus. It's not pleasant. No. Oh. Uh, and you may get some penicillin at the doctor. And possibly there was also another uh, flu uh, or another element involved, and that would be thorium two twenty nine. Oh, thorium. Yeah. Oh. Because uh, apparently the Germans were stockpiling mass amounts of thorium. What is thorium? It's an element really? of some kind, and I don't know the specifics behind it. But apparently the Germans were stockpiling it as a large hammer. And the U.S. even to this day probably really couldn't figure out why they were stockpiling it because it, it oh. required a certain uh, technology and energy to be able to separate it to the point where they needed to, to make it usable. So they needed, obviously, they go through all this trouble. They needed it for something. They needed it for something, absolutely. 
Um, and there's also the idea that it that it required mass amounts of electrical energy to initially power the experiment. So mm. I have to say that <clears throat> the experiment. Oh, excuse me, I cleared myself in the mic again. I, again. I have a bad habit of doing you that. You do that. I get on a roll and I just can't get away from the microphone. <laughs> Um, it used mass amounts of electricity, obviously, um, alternating current. But it, there's a theory that it used direct current also, which if you know from... ACDC. Correct. And if you know from your electrical history... Mm. Um, Westinghouse. There were, there were two, there were two uh, battling factions when it came to the infancy of electricity. One yes. was obviously Edison. And Nikola Tesla, right? And Tesla. And, and Edison was a proponent and a uh, promoter of direct current energy. The only problem with direct current energy is it's very over, dangerous. Right? It's dangerous, and over a period of like as it increases in distance, it loses its right a power and its potential. So what Edison's theory, uh, not his theory, but his plan was, in order to use direct current energy to power our houses and everything else that we know and love today, he would basically would have had to put a power plant every two to three miles. So Ooh. in every neighborhood, there'd be a power plant, yeah, be which obviously that wouldn't be practical. So along came Nikola Tesla. Yes, save the world. And he actually was a musician who played uh, acoustically in um, a, a song called Signs. He did. He played the calliope in that song. Mm-hmm. And it was good. It was a good song. Nikola Tesla, man of many yep. talents. But he advocated the uh, alternating current, uh, which AC current, which is what we use today. It's in your homes. It's everywhere. Um, and basically what you need to do to increase the power, you just have a transfer station and it, it, it enhances the energy as it, as it proceeds. At the plant where this bell was being researched um supposedly they had to build a power plant there so that tells you right there that they needed some sort right. of uh extraordinary amount of direct current energy mm-hmm. to help propel and power this particular experiment so um some of the things that it did and some some of the eyewitness uh testimony um if you will to some of the people that uh the the gross rosen um, concentration camp, which I believe was nearby, and that some of those people were involved in um, working on the experiment itself, would report seeing bell-shaped objects rise above the tree lines, come back down again, uh, and, a, and a like a bright uh, bluish or purplish hue glow would be emanating from these particular objects and such. So, wow. um, and some of the other things, you know, obviously they they tested it. They brought plants in initially around the object to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, they turned to a, a grayish-brownish sludge over a short period of time, oh. just being exposed to this. Was it like a radiation that was It was a radiation, yeah. It was a radiation. Supposedly, gamma ray bursts were coming off of this oh. machine. So the scientists, as smart as they were and as much as advanced as they were, they still couldn't figure out a way to contain it to the point where it wouldn't kill people. Right. Because people were, you know, uh, apparently of the five... Five of the seven initial scientists that were around the machine supposedly were killed. Um, That's due not to, a good ratio. Due to exposure, and other people had a lot of um, issues going forward on on this on this particular uh, hmm. on this particular device. Are you okay? I'm fine. I'm oh, just I, listening. You're sweating over there. I'm not sweating. I'm fine. Are you getting gamma ray bursts you know, emanating I, from I, your I, rectal? This whole thing. When you start talking about technology, I start glossing over because I'm not as smart as I appear. Mm. And it, a lot of the times, it just it goes right over my head, man. Really? Yeah. You're not finding this interesting? No, I find it interesting. I just think it. I, I, I just don't understand a lot of it. So the I guess the overall uh, the overall theme of this is um, being that you know obviously the Germans were had their hands in many different things, um, and techno- technologically speaking, you know they were trying and they were experimenting with all kinds of different things, things that to this day we would think. You know, even to this day, how would we be able to, you know, come up with this some sort of technology? So, what happened to the bell? So nobody really knows what happened to the to the bell. There's never been any, uh, you know, it's not like they've recovered one. So the ultimate goal, we still don't know what their ultimate goal with the device was, or what happened to it. No. Okay. It's all speculation. It's all theory. I mean, a lot of the like we, talk, we talked about, a lot of the scientists came to America. Some mm-hmm. of them didn't. A lot of the Nazis, a lot of the uh, the Germans at that time that were obviously being hunted by the Allies to stand trial for war crimes and such, right? made their way to different countries. A lot of them went to South America, right? Argentina. That's one of the theories, too, that Kamler made his way with the Bell technology to Argentina, uh, where he obviously lived out his days. And Now, isn't there a, and, and I, I know this from just doing a little bit of looking into it, isn't there some physical evidence that there that there was a, a testing facility near where there was supposedly this was seen, right? Because you can still see evidence of that 
That's true. There, there's uh, uh, well, they they can't. There's things there, but they can't attribute it specifically to that particular project. Oh, okay. Um, there's one called I think it's a, there's a device, not a device, but a structure called the hinge. It's like hinge. a big ring thing. Yeah, it's a big yeah. concrete ring. Right. That uh, supposedly, uh, when they were testing outdoors, was housing this this device. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's one of the things. But they can never, uh, you know, there's obviously diff- different theories as to what that was used for. Right. Um, so they, 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 there's no concrete, going back to concrete, there's no concrete specific evidence. No, but at the end of the war, there was a lot of stuff going on. And, and who knows what disappeared into the, uh, into the clutches of whether it was the United States or Russia or whoever else was uh, the victor. Or the escaping Germans. You don't know what was taken, what was uh, destroyed, what, what, you know, there was a lot of confusion at the, during those times. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so what's the, what's the overriding theme today with that, you think? The overriding theme is that we don't know a whole lot about it, a lot of things. We don't. We don't. And, and <laughs> you know, it, it, just touching briefly on something, uh, you know, and going back to Mr. Von Braun, who came uh, to the U.S. and helped in the Apollo space mission. Did he make razors, too? The Braun Razor, Yes. Uh, it, it's an electric razor. It's a foil electric razor. You know, foil electric razors don't work. I'm I had sorry. one that did work. No. And it stopped working when my dog chewed it. No, you didn't have one that And worked. then it bent the blade, and I tried to use it on my face, and it pulled the skin off. No, you don't. They, they don't work. The electric razors just don't work. I, I like the electric razor. Yeah, because you're lazy. But in actuality, the real electric, they don't work. But Mr. Von Braun, I don't think he, maybe he did invent that at some point, but in his later life. Hmm. Hmm. You know, usually you see the brawn commercials around Christmas time and Father's Day. Not brawny though. Brawny no, is no, something brawny different. Is something. No, but did you hear the controversy about the brawny paper towel? It doesn't absorb like they say it does. No, no, no. It's even more nefarious than that. Oh boy. So the the, the controversy about the brawny towel now is that uh, it's too it's a misogynist that it is a man. That is the uh, the symbol of the brawn. You know, it's the big lumberjack looking dude. Yeah, he kind of looks like the Rusty Jones guy. Remember yeah, that guy? Rusty Jones. Yeah, it looks like looks like looks kind of like yeah. Yeah. So that's misogynistic, and now there's packaging that has a woman uh, as the brawny. But here's the issue with that, and we'll go with the Mr. Clean too. You know, Mr. Mr. Clean, Clean with the big bald buff. Yeah, but guy. He's, Mr. Clean looks like he would be uh, he would be inhabiting uh, Tango Night at the Blue Oyster. <laughs> but so. here's the thing, I mean, uh, listen. I'll, I hate to get into, I hate to get into. Uh, I don't want to get into all that sort of sort of <laughs> stuff. But you know, uh, uh, men generally speaking, mm-hmm. is, they have a lot more testosterone than a woman. Physically stronger. Physically, largely. You know, you see the, there are strong women. There are strong women. Absolutely. There are powerful women. There are very athletic women. But yes. generally speaking, the bodybuilders and the weightlifters and the powerlifters, mm-hmm. the strong me- pe- people are the men. Generally. Right? I think that's all they're trying to convey. They're not trying to say men are better than women. <laughs> no, I agree. At all. They're just trying to say this This is a beef, buffy guy who's going to clean your countertops. You know what I've determined? What's that? I've determined that in today's day and age, which you can't have an age without a day in front of it, is people go around looking for things to be offended by. Exactly. They're, they're not actually offended by it. They're, they're playing a role. Everybody plays a role. And for a certain segment of the population, they like to be offended. And they look for things to be offended by. Honestly, I haven't been offended by many things in my life. No. And But although I should, and this brings up a good topic, and I think we'll probably close on this today. <laughs> okay. What are your thoughts? And I, and I always bring these things up because I like to get your opinion on this. Mm-hmm. I like to get a different sense uh-huh. about things. So off and on throughout my adult life, I've always, you know, I've been relatively active. Mm-hmm. You know, I run, I go to the gym and mm-hmm. things of that sort. Yep. So... Uh, recently, I probably within the past six months, I joined a new gym. Okay, and I've been, I've been trying to get myself back. In, I've been whipping myself back into shape. I whip myself too, but for different reasons. <laughs> trying to burn off the extra, uh, you know, junk around my midsection and things of that sort. Yes. So I've been really taking it seriously, and this is important because you know you got to get in a routine, take it seriously. Yeah. Oh yeah. Got to get a habit going. I go to the gym, and normally my routine is I go in the gym, I go into the facility. And I go directly to whatever machines or weights or, or treadmills I want to use. Okay. I avoid the bathroom at all costs and the locker room. Oh, yeah. Nobody goes in the bathroom. I don't want to go in there. No. On occasion, I I have to go in there because I have to relieve myself. If it's an emergency. In order to have an efficient workout. Yes. I go in I go in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Now, let me, let me just back up one second. I'm a grown man. Yes. I'm, I have a military background, as you do as well, Mike. Yes. I've, I've, I went in the military as a, as a young lad. I've, I've been in various situations and 
barracks and is this op- about some kind of an awakening? I don't want to hear about no it. open showers uh, and yeah again open s- toilet stalls we're and things headed that the wrong way. No, no. So I've seen grown men naked. It doesn't offend again, me in the least. This is stuff that we probably shouldn't be but discussing. In the in the military, you're forced in situations that you have no control over, right? That's true. Again, awakenings. Hold on. <laughs> in adult life, as in a, as a, I'm going to say from a man's perspective, I'm a grown man. It's a man's world. Okay, you have control over your immediate area and you can do whatever the heck you choose in america right yes why is it that when i go in the men's locker room just to walk through to get to the bathroom to use the facility Mm -hmm. there are naked men running around (laughs) and they're having everyday conversations they're having birthday suit Mm. uh uh you know vocal conversations about everyday things yeah i i've sensed that myself i and and unfortunately, it's a, it's not just you. I, I've I've encountered this too. There, there's usually one or two naked men ro- roaming about the uh, the locker room facilities. For some reason, uh, they decide they don't want to either finish undressing or get dressed. They don't. They 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 hover mm. in that middle area. It doesn't make sense to me. I walked no. in. I walked through a conversation the other day. Two grown men, mind you, mm-hmm. standing within inches of each other, naked. Wow. Toweling off their heads, speaking about the weather and how uh, and the, uh, the the re- most recent sporting event. Swords almost touching. Like nothing was happening. Huh. So I walked in. I used the bathroom. I, I, I Did just, you walk between them? I didn't walk between them. Maybe they were them. waiting for you to walk I between them. I averted my eyes mm-hmm. and walked around them. Just the other day, and then I'll just close on this, mind you. Yeah. Once again, I went They're in usually there. an old person. Ah, no. They're older. Oh, not this time. Oh. I walk in. Now, let me set the scene for you quickly. <laughs> There are two urinals side by side with a divider in between. There's Thank only God two. for the divider. Okay. Two urinals. Yep. Then to the left of the urinals, perpendicular to the urinals, mm-hmm. are two small sinks. Yes. Like that you would wash your hands in after you use the That's bathroom. That's usually what sinks are for, yeah. So I, w- I walk in, and I use the far urinal to the right. Okay. The, the furthest away. And I look to the sink area just div- uh, as my eyes wandered in. <laughs> there was a, there's a gentleman, a naked, butt-naked gentleman. Okay. From head to toe. No towel or anything. Standing in the first, uh, uh, up against the first sink. Okay. So there's two sinks. The second sink is against the wall. Yep. Naked completely. Yep. I can see his bare buttocks. What was he doing? Shaving. <laughs> shaving what? Shaving his face. Shaving naked. his face naked. No towel or nothing? No. None at all. So here's my conundrum now. So I use the bathroom. I haven't. <laughs> Use the gym yet? So I have to wash my now, hands. Now you have to go wash your hands. So somehow I have to squeeze my body next between to the, naked the, the the bare buttocks of this man at the sink and the next sink over. Maybe he was waiting for you to do that. Why couldn't he get, at least get to the other sink? Because he wanted to contact. Does you. he do this at his home? No. Does he shave in his? It's just mind you, this is a Saturday morning. He couldn't leave the gym and go shave and get dressed. He had to do it at the gym. Some people feel really comfortable in places like that, apparently. <sighs> I don't feel that comfortable in my own home. I it wouldn't did, even did do it. that in my own bathroom alone no. with the locked door. Exactly. I Who shaves naked? I don't. I don't know. You don't wear no. You don't wear any clothes stand in the mirror and shave, I don't do know. you? There's bizarre people out there. All right. Give us your feedback, people. Yeah, you know what? We would like some feedback for the show. We have gotten some great suggestions, some great feedback, some uh some uh, great th- things coming from the listeners. We would like to hear more. You can always contact us at our, at our, our email address, which is theeonproject at yahoo.com. That's T-H-E-E-O-N project at yahoo.com. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what we're looking at doing, too, is um, uh, hopefully in the near future getting a couple in-studio guests yes. um, uh, live with us. Uh, to hopefully talk about- not the naked guy from the gym. No. no. I, I Although I bet he'd come. His image is burning my synapses for the rest of my life. He's waiting for you. Um, so we're going to have some uh, live guests coming. And if you have any listener suggestions you want to hear about a topic, just like 51 Pan Man did, uh, and we'll, we'll do that going forward as well. And, if, and I wanted to ask, too, if, because we are live on the uh, iTunes site and Google Play, if you find us on iTunes, and, uh, iTunes Store and Google Play, give us a review. Uh, give us a rating because it does help our, our, uh, our standing. And the more people that see the ratings and, and the stars and, and see the reviews, the more people will listen and the more popular our program will be. That's correct. And, you know, we're, we're attempting to uh, take over the world via the Internet here. Slowly. Uh, slowly. And we're trying to build a loyal but uh, devote, devote, devout, 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 devoted yes. uh, following uh, going forward. So if, mm-hmm. when we're on the big train to uh, Coolville, hopefully <laughs> you all will be on it with us. And hopefully uh, not naked. All right. So... 
we'll be back again soon talking about some a uh, couple more interesting and uh, mysterious and uh, topics and some shenanigans abound. So just remember, the truth exists. Baby.